We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRA. DIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, welcome in to the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. This is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm Eric Balkman. You know me from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, and of course, the FFPC as well. So thrilled to be here. Glad you're hanging out with us tonight, taking it in as we are entering. And this you'll see a mention in the FFPC uh, email tomorrow from me. Um, Locked players will start happening this week with quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. Um, if you drop them in one of the national contest leagues, main event, fantasy pros championship, etc., they will be locked for the remainder of the season. So another level of strategy comes in to try to win that $1 million grand prize. If you are uh, already playing for the $1 million grand prize in both the fantasy pros championship and the FFPC main event, congratulations to you. But that doesn't mean that you can stop there. You can get into plenty of the weekly action we have by going to myffpc.com to play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There's no draft. There's no salary cap. You just choose 10 players if you want to play without kickers and defenses or 12 players if you want to play with kickers and defenses by Sunday's kickoff at 1 p.m. and just watch them ride through the weekend's games. Remember, only one player per team. There is no stacking in this competition. Uh, and uh, you can enter for as little as $35. You can win up to $2,500. Uh, so remember, you're going to myffpc.com, myffpc.com to play that. Uh, remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, 
and click that notification bell at the bottom so you never miss a time when the FFPC goes live. And as we head throughout the rest of the season, we're going to be going live every single, well, not every single night, but we're going to be going live a minimum of three times a week. Rotovis High Stakes Lowdown, um, 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network is here at 7 o'clock Thursday nights. And, of course, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour goes live at 10 o'clock Friday nights. Let's get to a former guest of the HSFF Hour. He is tonight's Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown guest, a guy that's uh, achieved a lot of success in a short number of time, a short period of time here in the FFPC. A player that um, for a while, three years ago, for a certain portion of the season, had a top 10 team in the uh, in the FPC as well as a top 10 team in the FFPC main event. Right now, he's in the top 40 in the FFPC main event. We're going to bring him on tonight uh, so he can tell us all about it. Please welcome onto the program. You follow him on the X at Bill Wonky. Welcome in, Bill Wonky. Bill, thanks so much for jo- jumping aboard tonight. Hey, Balky. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. Uh, we had fun last time you were on uh, three years ago, yeah. which is too long to go without you having on or without you having to come on the show. So I'm glad we can make it happen tonight. Now, I just mentioned that at the top uh, of, of the show that you are in, I think, 37th place in the main event right now. But you are not the only one um, that that is in 37th because. You, you have a, a collection of co-owners. How, how does, tell the listeners yeah. how this is working. Yeah, so this is, a, this is a group of college buddies. So it's college guys, uh, roommates, and, and friends and housemates. But more importantly, we had a uh, intramural football team. So intramural football was really big back then, mm-hmm. and that was it. And the name of our team was Toxic Waste. <laughs> so the guys are all, so we were in. And what we're kind of really hoping is that, like, we can piggyback on the Buffalo-related karma. Like, so, you know, the Go Bill guys got there yeah. twice, and hopefully they can get off and let another <laughs> Buffalo crew kind of ride on it. I I saw uh, Sean Stutzman, and um, I, I think I saw Don Barani. I, I didn't really talk to him a whole lot, uh, but I saw, uh, saw Sean Stutzman and, and Mike Costantino in, in Las Vegas, and both times I brought it up with them. You know, uh, there is a chance. There's a non-zero chance you guys could three-peat in the main event, and immediately both of them just shut me down. There will be no three-peat this year. Exactly. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But that's not to say we can't have three consecutive champions that have connections <laughs> to the Buffalo area. That could be the hope. That's that, the hope. That's the hope. That's the hope indeed. All right. Um, so let, let's get into this uh, tonight, um, and I want to stay on the Buffalo tip. So yep. Josh Allen uh, last night w- was not good. Um, and they lost the Bills. Well, they didn't lose. They fired their offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey this morning. Um, you have an interesting decision going forward here because you have a quarterback that really hasn't played at all this season up until last week when Kyler Murray came back and looked all right doing it, uh, doing doing so in his in his return. You know, Josh Allen has good rushing ability. Kyler Murray has good rushing ability. Uh, what What's the conversation been like when you guys are talking about potentially benching Josh Allen because of his poor play for a guy like Kyler Murray going forward. What are the, what's the level of concern for Josh Allen right now? So like literally we have not talked about it. Right. So, and maybe for the, the audience it's like helpful to get to like, how do you get to here? So we had Josh Allen. Right. And so I had a lead quarterback in the draft, didn't draft a backup quarterback. That would be my usual MO. I'd rather have scratch off lottery ticket guys who might turn into something early in the season. Right. So just kind of standard way. We ended up picking up Matthew Stafford, though, early as our backup Mm -hmm. when, you know, they were running hot. 
and they were doing it without Cooper Cup. So he looked like he had upside. He was going to be a good backup. So had him. Then we get to like week nine, right? Before week nine, injuries hit. Stafford's hurt. Guys are getting knocked out. A lot of pressure coming in for the quarterback's going to be there. So now we're looking around at, all right, what are we going to do? So Kyler was still like floating around. Wanted to get Kyler, look at Kyler, um, because he was the only guy left with any kind of upside. You know, mostly, you know, Zach Wilson's out there, like kind of those guys. You know, there's not much upside. But Kyler's got upside, and in particular, he has upside in the sprint. Like he's got a couple good matchups, and in particular, his Week 17 matchup is is awesome. So if we needed a, like a leverage pivot off of Josh in Week 17, like that was the the idea. So the idea was to get him there. Right. And and at this point, you guys aren't looking at Josh Allen as, as a bench no. candidate. Okay. No. And then and and, and 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 the legs, his rushing ability has got to factor into that decision, right? Exactly. And so, you know, you haven't seen Kyler. You don't like at the time we got him, you haven't seen Kyler. We picked up Derek Carr for the week 13 buy problem. Because again, we haven't seen Kyler. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go in naked with that. And Kyler doesn't have a great matchup week 13. So the plan was ride with Allen, a car in week 13, have insurance with Kyler and a p- potential week 17 pivot if we need or want it. And then, like you say, then last night happens, right? And then this morning happens. And so now you're sitting there looking at it. It's like, okay, we've seen Kyler. Kyler looked like Kyler with passing rust. I mean, he barely missed Marquise Brown on a bomb. He looked great, right? So he looks like he could be legit. So now it's like, okay, what do you want to do this week? We saw what Denver did when they took away Diggs. And so, and then like Buffalo offense just basically um, imploded on themselves, Mm -hmm. right? But it was, they moved the ball great. Like they were moving the ball. Like when you look at the, the, uh, the peripheral metrics on like whether they had success rate, it was fine. Like their offense was fine. Turnover, like the turnover rundown, right? Mm-hmm. Hit hit Gabe Davis in the hands, off his hands, pick, right? Fumbles, fumbles one of the handoffs. And then you had the second interception, which was basically Zach Wilson invades Josh Allen's body and he throws a ball he should never throw in a situation he should never throw. Right. So why he would do those things, I don't know. The only thing must be Zach Wilson took over and then saw it and threw it, right? So like there's no excuse. So I mean, Josh Allen in the end is fine. What about go keep going, keep going. But coming into this weekend, right? Like he doesn't have a great matchup, right? So he's against the Jets. Like between Sauce and Reed, they're gonna take digs away best they can. So then Josh Allen's gonna be chucking to Gabe Davis. You don't want that. Dalton Kincaid doesn't get a great matchup either. So in the end, it's not a great matchup, right? And, right. and Kyler's is actually pretty good. But you know, to me, the way I'll end up playing is we'll wait for the projections. You know, so like don't have any kind of final projections now. Their team, their team implied total is still good. It's like 23 and a half. So my expectation is Josh will still project better. But then we still have any kind of news that happens between now and Sunday weather because it's buffalo right right like you got to be dealing with that so i think come sunday my expectation is we're starting josh but like if the weather turns worse right now it's it looks like it's supposed to rain which is not a big deal but if it's going to start blowing too then it may get close like and 
the way I would typically look for that is if the, the point total starts to fall, right? So if the implied total starts dropping, then it's a serious thing. What, what about, um, you know, guys like you, who you were just talking about, guys like Diggs, guys like Kincaid, um, Gabe Davis, the, the level of Buffalo's play right now, does that have you concerned at all, potentially about benching any of those guys against the Jets? I guess the only guy I'd really consider is Gabe Davis. I mean, I'm still rolling out Diggs and Kincaid, but what about you? And yeah. we'll bring James Cook into the conversation as well. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you got it right, Balky, right? It's like you're 100% rolling out Diggs and Kincaid. If you're rolling, if you've been rolling out Gabe Davis, you're in a bad spot. Like your life sucks. So, (laughs) you know, like good luck to you. You're, you know, you're already dead. Um, So if you're rolling him out, you know, you have a problem, right? And like Khalil Secure, like, yeah, he's really kind of a spot guy if you're really in a bad spot and he has a good matchup. And this is not a good matchup. So, like, you can't roll him out either. I want to get back to your to to the draft that this this uh, main event draft that you um, that you uh, put together um, back in uh, drafting season, and I looked at the middle part of the draft, roughly just right above the middle part of the uh, midpoint of the draft. Um, you did something very interesting that reminded me of the NFL draft this past year. Four wide receivers go right in a row in the NFL draft. I, I don't ask me the order, but Addison, Smith, and Jigba, Johnston, and Flowers. In this draft, you guys end up getting three of those four receivers, and you also took them right in a row. Addison, Smith, and Jigman Johnson, the only guy you didn't get was Flowers. Why did you guys emphasize this year's rookie wide receiver class so much there for this specific team build? So it's probably helpful for the audience like to get a little view of the team build too, though. Is So we were drafted out of the sixth hole. We got Tyreek. Right. So now we get started there. Right. We were either going to get the five decided he wanted Eckler. Fine. We'll take Tyreek. It could have gone the other way and we'd have a completely different build. Because when I go into it, I'm not deciding what I want to do, what structure I want or what guys. I'm going to wait and let it come to me a little bit. Um, but I do have preferences. And so I prefer to go zero or, or hero or be if I can. I prefer for the FFPC based stuff, the tournament ones to get an elite quarterback and an elite tight end mm. if I can. I'd much rather those builds than trying to Frankenstein something, which you can do in a regular league, but in when you get to the sprint, you know, when you get to the point chase in weeks 15 through 17, like it's just hard to make that happen because one of the tight ends is going to go off. One of the quarterbacks is going to go off and you just can't make that up with, uh, you know, a patchwork of like, guys, it's just not going to work. So I prefer to do that. So we ended up Grabbing Tyreek, we got Mark Andrews came around, and we got Josh Allen because Josh Allen's available. We're from Buffalo. We rode him last year. <laughs> we're riding him again. So then, when the fourth in the fourth round is really the decision point: are we going to go like a hero or a B type thing, or what are we going to do here? And so none of the the wide receivers I liked at that point. Amari didn't fall. Debo didn't fall. Keenan sometimes fell. He didn't fall. So we end up grabbing Brees Hall. Now when it wraps back in the fifth, the idea was like, okay, typically that would have been Brees as a hero and then just go. But Kenneth Walker got there. So like he usually wasn't getting there. And so literally if you look at the draft board, you'll see we timed out on that because we queued Kenneth Walker and D-Hop. So we were trying to decide if we want to go and, and like kind of get the, the pairing RB to go with Brees because Brees was going to be light early in the season. 
Kenneth Walker was probably going to have a full role early, even if like Sharpenay was going to get him late, like now maybe he is. Like he wasn't early. So it was like a perfect match. So we kicked that around and ultimately timed it out and like ended up picking up like Kenneth Walker. So, and then for once, then now it's time picking up wide receivers. Right. So yeah. it was Terry McLaurin, Addison was a value there. Jackson Smith and Jigba was going in the seventh. We got him in the eighth. We grabbed Quentin Johnston. So we were just trying to grab as much value at wide receiver as we could. And it happened to be the rookie guys. And I'm happy taking the rookie guys because they typically have more upside and breakout in those middle rounds. So I was fine taking those guys. And and how much, like, historically, Bill, when you guys are drafting teams, do you, when you get to those mid rounds, I mean, do you historically put more of an emphasis on rookies because you're looking for the pick to win type guys at that point? Absolutely. Like the, the rookie middle round guys um, have much better breakout profiles than you, where they exceed like their ADP value. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely we're looking there. I mean, the miss, like when I look at the board, but I look at it back at it now, it's like, could have had Mike Evans. <laughs> like, so that would have been kind of sexy, but uh, like didn't get, you know, didn't take Mike Evans. Yeah. We went with the young guys. Um, let's, so let's, uh, let's talk about this here. Um, the Sam Laporta draft pick, a player that I, I, I do have a good number of, of shares of him this year, which I'm really happy about, but I wish I had more. It's always one of those things you want oh, to agree yeah. you wish you had more. Um, in this specific draft, 16th was, was or 15 tight ends went off the board before you guys uh, took him here. Can you tell us a little bit about what, and you can include yourself in this because you waited on him along to, to take him as well. What did we, in the fantasy industry, as high-stakes players, what did we miss on Sam Laporta this year that we let him slip so far, especially in tight end premium scoring, which is insane? And then how can we avoid doing that when we're faced with decisions like this next year to make sure premium talent like this, we just don't let him slip? So I, I think the thing here, so I'll tell you what happened to us, right? So we drafted Andrews. The plan was not to take another tight end, literally – not going to draft another one. We were just going to keep going. But I wanted Laporta. I just never could get him. Mm -hmm. And then he fell to us. Literally, he was going in the early ninth. He came back to us in the 10th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So he usually went tight end 13. He was tight end 16 here. And so I remember we were talking on, on like online because we had a couple guys here and one on the on a FaceTime and in. It was like Laporta, right? Like got like right. So yeah, like we would ordinarily take like another wide receiver or something, but I was like, no, take on Laporta. And I think though, to answer your question about what was missed is the narrative is rookie tight ends don't fare well, like they underperform. And it's not just a narrative, like there's real data. The data says rookie tight ends don't hit their ADP particularly well. But mostly that's because rookie tight ends don't get on the field. Mm -hmm. Like playing NFL tight end is really hard. You have to kind of be a lineman and you have to be a receiver. And like learning both those jobs is like a hard thing to do. And so guys don't get on the field. So you draft some guy based on his ultimate talent but in year one, he's like stuck, like learning the job. Like it's a good example right now is Michael Mayer was like getting drafted and he has tremendous amount of talent, but like he's sharing snaps with Austin Hooper, mm -hmm. right? And probably because he doesn't, he's not blocking as well, right? But like, the, and again, I'm not like a big football guy, but he, he doesn't have the full role. He may start getting some of it now, but the first half of the year, Michael Mayer, if you had him, he was dust. And I think the thing with Laporta was, A, he got the draft capital. B, there was nobody else there. And the early camp reports were, he's running with the ones. And then the camp reports became, he's the only tight end running with the ones. Mm -hmm. And so now you have a situation where, hey, you think this guy has talent. You, you'd like to have him. But you got to be worried about he's a first year tight end, except he seems to be the only guy they're playing. And like he was running with the ones he was going to get on the field. And lo and behold, that's what ends up happening. I mean, could it have blown up on us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I couldn't get Laporta in main events or FPC. I have him in cash leagues, but I, this is literally the only share of Laporta I have in the tournaments. R remind me again, you have Mark Andrews on this team? Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about it blowing up in you on you. This was like to me a extremely high floor, high ceiling pick. Because oh yeah. So if, if Laporta doesn't work out, yeah. you're still covered. Yeah, except that you you know you have the opportunity cost where like so uh, so like to know what that trade was in that spot, it's Laporta or Achan. Oh, like God. that's who goes there. So so like yeah. So yeah. it's not like so. It was a win, but it's not like there wasn't an opportunity cost issue because right. HM was the guy. Like it was literally Laporte or HM.
Um, and it was kind of, I'd never get any Laporta. I get right, some HN. Right. Yeah, I never exactly. get Laporta. Yes. And then that's a great way of looking at it. I feel like, like I drafted, uh, obviously, you no know, Farrell Elliott last time he came on the show, my co host, yeah. the guy who runs the KFFSC. I drafted Laporta uh, a ton. It would have been the weekend before Labor Day when we were drafting live in Louisville. And I feel like that's like when it was like crescendoing. And that, that's non that's non tight end premium. That's just standard full PPR. Yeah. So you could get them cheaper or whatever. But I feel like ever since then, like especially with the Fantasy Pros Labor Day Draftathon, like now all of a sudden you're seeing Laporte rise up and everybody's catching on. Like everybody's got that same information. And then you really yeah. saw him take off. But there were some people that got him cheap. And and you having Laporte to, to go with Andrews, I mean that that's been kind of like it's a no brainer with those two every single week. You're you're always flex. You're always starting one at tight end and flexing out the other one. Exactly, and um, you know, go ahead. The, the people people understand like tight end premium is only really important if you have a tight end that can catch five or six plus balls, right? Like mm-hmm. if a guy's going to go three three forty and one or three forty and nothing, like yeah, the tight end premium doesn't really matter. But if you have a guy that can catch five, six, seven, eight balls, like yeah, now now you're flexing like now you feel good about having him in there every time because he's as good as any wide receiver three you could find as long as we're talking about buffalo earlier and we're talking tight ends now dalton kincaid uh, last two or three weeks has looked unbelievable what's the scuttlebutt in 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 buffalo is is everybody sort of like yes this is what we thought he was going to be from the get-go and there's no reason for him i i feel like i what did he go for last night like five for 51 something like that um which which in again tight end premium you're gonna take that but I feel like that was more like a, a based on how he's been going. That's more of a floor type game for him. Yeah. So let, so let me help you though. Uh, none of us are in Buffalo anymore. <laughs> but you guys so still pay attention to the Bills, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. Like like well, the, like I guess that would that would be a better way for me to phrase the question. No, no, I'm with so, you. So you guys are still you're, you're still following the Bills. You're heavily invested into the Bills. You don't live in that area anymore. What's been sort of like and and quite frankly, this is what I care about more anyway. You and your fellow co-owners, what's been the, the scuttlebutt on, on Dalton Kincaid and sort of his rise that we've seen over the course so, of I mean, the season? I, so I think the Kincaid thing is almost like the classic uh, rookie year wide receiver, right? He gets drafted. You think he's going to be playing wide receiver, but he's not getting enough snaps and, and Dawson Knox is in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And so the emergence of Kincaid happens when, yeah, Dawson Knox is, is out and now all of a sudden it's only Kincaid and now you're in like jackpot land. And then you just hope for like rational coaching when Dawson Knox comes back and it's like, you know, Dawson, thank you brother. But like, you know, we're riding with Dalton from here. Mm -hmm. And so that's the hope, but yeah, he's, I mean, who are they going to throw to? Right? Like if you take digs away, you're going to keep throwing to Gabe Davis. No, like, Shakir's fine, but he's like, uh, you know, he's a pop gun guy. Like, yeah. so fine. So like, yeah, no, you're going to Kincaid's jackpot right now. Like, yeah. How do you guys handle, I mean, are you handling all the waivers and lineup submissions or does everybody like, sort of like, like, how do you, I don't know if this is a tag team scenario. How do you, when you're managing <laughs> with, with multiple players, how do you guys work this out? Yeah. So this one, this one's an interesting one. So, um, two of the guys, um, like to watch football but like they're not fantasy football guys it's just like a good excuse to like be able to chat about stuff and kind of stay together uh the other guy like he plays and he has a bunch of high stakes like home league stuff like pretty high stakes stuff 
So he likes to play. He's good. So he and I will usually sync on uh, what's going on. So usually it's just like a quick text on, I'm thinking this, what are you thinking? Or I'll usually, uh, you know, I'll drive with the mouse, like I'll drive and I'll put the framework stuff in for the bids. And then he'll text me say, hey, I saw this. Like, did you think about this guy? What do you want to do about this guy? So we usually just kind of do it that way. Got it. It's pretty easy. Yeah, and that makes sense too because you're always having oversight, uh, which is more eyes on it is always, not always, but almost always a, a good thing. Um, this past Sunday, waivers uh, went off or the fab went off on Sunday morning. You guys ended up grabbing Rashad Bateman um, on this uh, on this team. Uh, yep. He goes with these young receivers that you have on the squad. What do you sort of foresee happening with Baltimore? I feel like they're definitely a Super Bowl contender this year, but the offense has changed um, not only from last year, but I think it's it's been changing throughout the season. Uh, Zay Flowers was hot for a while, and and now he's 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 backed off a little bit. I, I think he came back a little bit in five for seventy or whatever it was this week. But Bateman is coming on. Um, you're, you're having uh, Keaton Mitchell, the rise of Keaton Mitchell in the backfield yeah. as well. How does Bateman figure into all this going forward? So what we had, what we wanted, what I was doing in general was I was grabbing Bateman on Thursday night. Like so, I was grabbing a bunch of Bateman on Thursday, and the reason was. Um, I, I follow a bunch of guys. I don't do any of my own research, right? So I'm like literally listening, consuming guys. Um, and some of them are really good, right? So, you know, Nathan Yankee, uh, so I give him this shout out since I got this stuff from him. On um, PFF, he does mm -hmm. his immediate takeaways, lays out all the snaps, and then with the detail of who's running in what formations. And so he had flagged early that um, Bateman all of a sudden was now getting two wide receiver sets and Odell was just like basically going in the slot. So like it had been where basically Bateman and Odell were kind of sharing a role, but it had kind of looked like he might be moving to his own in this at the same time, Matt Harmon from reception perception flagged that like in his video reviews of like looking at the routes that Bateman looked like the old Bateman, like, mm. you know, cause he was coming off an injury and so he had flagged that he looked sharper, like he just looked better. And so those kind of things were coinciding where the snaps were showing up different and somebody was, who looks at the video and actually knows what they're looking at is identifying something different. And I'm like, hey, I want an upside swing here. And like, um, and again, kind of looking at the, the tournament phase, um, Baltimore, Miami, week 17, like, you know, that could just go nuclear. And if, yeah. you know, having a guy that leverages different than other guys might have would be perfect. So, you know, for me, it was a matter of here's a guy and, it, you know, and you know how the FFPC stuff works. Once you see it, then it's going to be so costly <laughs> to go get him that, like, it's going to be really hard. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was grabbing him on Thursday. This team I didn't on the, the toxic waste. I didn't because we were holding the. The, leaving the light on for Jonathan Mingo. So we had Mingo. There was some hint coming out of the bye that maybe he was getting an increased role. But then after watching the game, it's like, yeah, he he's not getting open. Nobody's getting open. Bryce Young's not going to get – this is just not going to work. Like, he's not the answer. So then shut the light off on Jonathan Mingo and, like, grab Bateman for a dollar on Sunday morning. And this is, I mean, to your point, Bateman was not like a one or two league thing. You were grabbing him everywhere you could that that yeah. you could afford the roster spot. Exactly. 
Is yes. he more like? Is he? I mean, would you do this in a in a cash game too, like a closed twelve team league, or is he more of a play for the fantasy pros championship in the main event because of that championship round sprint at the end of the season? No, I grabbed him. Uh, I'd have to check for sure, but I'm pretty sure I grabbed him in a cash. Like I was basically where I was swapping out Mingo, like or something. I would like then it's just like yeah, I'm done with that. Like I'm done with Mingo. If he if he comes back and he goes nuclear, you guys could all come back to this and laugh at me. But like I'm like no 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 like I'm done. Turn off the lights. Party's over. Let me get Bateman. Let's see. He may not be it either, but I'm gonna see if but, that goes. But to your point, you now is the time to pick him up because he's not costing you a premium price. It's like all those people that picked up Demario Douglas a week or two yeah, ago. You exactly. know, right? Uh, Keaton Mitchell is another perfect example of that where yep. you're paying for the through the teeth. Once they demonstrated out on the field, um, yep. I when at the time I sent these questions to you, I, I thought we were really onto something with this Michael Carter thing in New York, and I wanted to get a <laughs> take on it. And then roughly about six hours ago, yeah. we get the news from Adam Schefter that Michael Carter's unemployed; he's no longer a New York Jet. He was cut today. So a couple of things here: what what what's the takeaway here? Dalvin Cook is is he the only Jet uh, running back you're concerned about? Uh, if you have Brees Hall, or quite frankly, even if you don't have Brees Hall, or is this more of a sign that, like, hey, maybe I should start bidding on uh, Izzy Abanacanda? Maybe he's getting close, uh, and that's why the Jets were comfortable releasing Michael Carter. As a high-stakes fantasy owner, how do you attack this Jets backup running back situation, Bill? So the so the the first thing was like I saw that around around four o'clock or something. I thought I started to die. Like I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, so. Because what half the answer I was going to share with you is still true. So the, the half of the, hey, Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook thing, like why did I go with Michael, Michael Carter was, the reality was, hey, if Reese Hall goes down and you have to start one of those guys, you were in a bad, bad way. Yes. Like it's, this is not good for you. The reason that I had, so you say, well, okay, Bill, like then why do you have him? The reason I had him was because a couple weeks ago, I'm looking and I have Brisol and I have Kenneth Walker. Like, that's great. However, I also had Jerome Ford, who had just like had a high ankle sprain. Those usually takes four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Had we have Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, like they were coming out of bye. Miles Sanders was going to be healthy. We hadn't heard anything from Frank Reich yet about like Chuba's basically our guy and Miles is dust. But like at the time, I didn't have that. I had we had uh tyler we have tyler algier who was like an in my mind was an early season play only a matter of time before arthur smith would finally play Bijan, right and so i'm looking at this and going oh my god if like reese goes down like i literally have to go to the waiver wire to go grab a guy and when you go to the waiver wire looking for a runner back it just laughs at you right like there is nothing there it is a barren wasteland and it's just like find some guy projecting for three points and hope he gets six. Right. So, so I got Michael Carter, right? So to me, that's the only reason I really had him. I, I thought Michael Carter's Michael Carter's just a guy. Dalvin cook, I think is probably dust. Yeah. And so then we see this and it's like, all right, what the heck is going on? I suspect we'll hear more like stuff will come out. Cause it's just hard to imagine that, like the answer to this was cut Michael Carter. Because if you were just going to back off snaps for Michael Carter and play Dalvin Cook, you could have just done that. You didn't need to release the guy. If you wanted to play Izzy, like you could have just done that. 
So mm -hmm. my guess is there's some drama behind this with like guys chirping and like Sala probably just finally said, I'm going to have two guys just chirping about snaps. Like one of you guys is leaving and Aaron likes, you know, I'll make this up. Aaron likes Dalvin. So like, you know, we're staying with him. So, but the other possibility is like, yeah, and we're going to play Izzy. So, All right. So, so I, I want to bring this up because I'm just finding this out now. And Pro Football Talk had this like about a half hour ago. Apparently, um, the Jets called a players only meeting today. And I don't think it was because of, you know, to emotionally move past this Michael Carter release. But I think you're right. I think there was something there. And I also, I mean, remind, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this. Wasn't Michael Carter complaining about touches or snaps or playing time earlier this season? Yeah. Like I, I, I this this was not something that so like when I saw that that he got released, that was my first thought. I'm, well, my first thought was like, oh, I got to rewrite this question for Bill tonight. Oh no, it's, it was a perfect question actually, <laughs> just as a different answer. Uh, and and my second point was like, ah man, I, I wonder if there this was like behavior or attitude based. And more will come out about it. We'll see who claims him off waivers because I I, I got to believe somebody will uh, at this point. Exactly. Uh, um. Sticking with running backs here, I, I I brought this up with several guests on on the the various cacophony of FFPC shows so far this season, and I haven't really got a, a solid answer on it. I don't expect you to give me one either because uh -oh. I think it's a very nuanced discussion that doesn't probably have one solid answer. But what happened to Tony Pollard this year, and is there another running back that? you could think of, and I know this is kind of unfair because I'm asking to look forward to next year, but is there another running back that that you could see the caution flags going up for him when we get the drafting season next year in the same vein as Tony Pollard, a guy that we had very high hopes for based on his ADP, but it just hasn't been there this season. Yeah, so, uh, so first of all, I am overweight Tony Pollard. I was overweight during best ball and I'm overweight in redraft. And I don't regret the decision to do that one bit. Like, mm -hmm. and, and here's why, right? Tony Pollard had demonstrated to us that like he could break slates. Like he could throw up 30 balls on limited usage. And now the runway had cleared, right? No Zeke, no nothing. Like the guy was a tremendous talent. We had seen it at the NFL level. Like I said, he could throw up a 30 ball in a heartbeat. And so he's literally the kind of a player who could bury you. If you had no Tony Pollard, we could there could be a universe right now where we're talking about Tony Pollard with RB1 numbers, like mm -hmm. overall RB1, right? Like, would you be shocked if we were at the beginning of the year, we said, hey, we're going to meet week 10 and talk about Tony Pollard? Yeah, we're going to talk about Tony Pollard being RB1, right? Exactly. Wouldn't so, have surprised me at all. In fact... Dave Terpoli, who helps cover the FFPC live draft, yeah. he was saying this last year. If they could get Elliott out of there, Pollard could be the number one overall running back. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, that's it. So, like, so he could bury you. So, so to me, the fact that, like, he had tremendous talent, he had going to have increased usage and in role, was going to be in a good offense. We had seen it before. He could, he could be the man, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of the warning signs – yeah, there were a couple, right? Like, so first of all, offensive changes, right? So they changed offensive coordinators and Mike McCarthy went on the, you know, the 
we're going to establish it thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, even he says he's going to establish it, even though they had a higher rush rate over expectation that like, I think he was like 25th in the league. So they were like a high rushing team, but like he was going to establish it even more. So that's kind of scary, right? Like we knew what Tony Powell's usage looks like with, with uh, Kellen Moore and it was awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now we don't know, right. Like with the new coaching staff, the second thing is he was coming off a significant injury. Like, we as fantasy guys fall into this all the time. Guy gets hurt and it goes into the off season and you forget all about that. Yep. And you think he's going to come back and he's going to be the same guy. He's going to be fully healthy and the same guy. And like, they're not always like, these guys are like elite thoroughbred horses, right? Like if they get nicked up just a little bit, sometimes they're just not the same animal. Like they're just not as fast. They're just not as explosive. So those are the red flags, right? Like, you have the change of, of OC and you have McCarthy and then the, and he's coming off injury. So could one of those things go bad? Yeah. So what has gone bad? I don't know. like he hasn't like his his peripheral numbers have been poor. Right. So he's not breaking tackles. He's not getting rushed over expectation. He's not getting what's blocked for him. Like so it could be a Tony Pollard issue also, though is like the usage issue. Pat, Th like literally today, I think around five or six o'clock, Pat Thorman, who does like, you know, rankings and does the ETR rankings, guys, amazing. He put out the, the data on like his usage, at least in terms of his rushes. Last year, it was 40% between the tackles, 60% out. This year, it's 60% between the tackles and 40%, yeah. right? And in the game last week, where, where Dak threw, I think 47 times, dude didn't get a target. Like he did not get a target. Yeah. And so the usage is clearly not the same either. And whether it's not the same because they know he's not the same, I don't know, but the combination is there. So I think, you know, in terms of uh, like next year, like, I don't know if the guy can, if the guy can literally break the league, you have to have some shares. Like, I, I mean, right. like this wasn't a guy where, you know, okay, yeah, he's going to be a, 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 a 13, 14 point a week kind of guy. It's like, no, he could literally crush you. So I, I don't think it was a mistake. I think just bad outcome. Uh, yeah. And Dom Gazzetti, uh, our, our buddy in the chat, uh, chiming in, leading the NFL with 151 touches without a touchdown. That's yeah, Tony Pollard. Amazing. You got to believe, in, and we're in week ten. Well, we're in a week eleven coming up here. Got to believe there's going to be some some regression in the mean coming there. Hopefully, with with Tony Pollard here uh, going forward. Speaking of positive regression, man, as a guy who follows the Green Bay Packers, Bill, I'm I'm hoping for some in Green Bay. Um, there, I've brought up several narratives this year. Um, the fact that Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed are actually being more efficient, and it's not close with their snaps on the field compared to the Packers starting receivers and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Um, the, the, the scuttlebutt in Northeast Wisconsin this week has been Christian Watson. Who, who's to blame, right? Is it him? Is it Jordan Love? Is it the offense? Is it Matt LaFleur? You know, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and I think we, we come back to this question here in a vacuum. The Packers are playing the Chargers this week. If he could only start one receiver, against the Chargers from the Packers, 
Would it be Watson? Would it be Dobbs? Would it be Reed? Would it be Wicks? Would it be somebody else? So I, I, I'm going to start the other way and say, like, I, I know these are your boys, right? So I know this is like you, you can listen. There is so, there is nothing you can say that will hurt me, Bill. So I'm a, just give but, me the no, raw, gonna, uncut truth. I was just going to get into the boat with you. So I'm a Jets fan. So like I understand how you feel now. I feel this way every year. This is a new experience generally for you. Yeah. I understand what you're feeling. Like I, I think the answer is if you have to start a Packers wide receiver, you have a problem. Yeah. Like this is not going to end well for you. And then the real, like the actual answer is like, uh, depends upon what you need. Right. So if you need a, a guy to fill in a bye week and just kind of make sure you put up a number because the rest of your team is solid, I'm going with Dobbs because he's getting more in zone looks like he's looking to him there, his a dots lower. So it's less like, it's more likely he can put like love can put an accurate target on the guy. Um, cause I think the issue is, love but that would be like a non-football guy like i think it's love but if you need a big swing and you need something big then yeah like throw christian watson out there and hope hope for the connection but otherwise i'm probably taking dobbs what scares me um the most is how overweight i'm going to be on christian watson next year when he you know if if this season keeps up he's going to be so depressed in drafts and i'm going to see that size speed combination I'm going to trick oh, yeah. myself into believing year year two of love and right. Watson, baby. Here we go. I'm, and I'm going to have him on like 70% of my teams. All right. So he'll let me help you. So I've like scanned it up at the board from this year's team, right? I'm trying to say, okay, who's the comparable? So like uh, Sutton went three, four turn last year. Mm-hmm. And now he went seven, eight turn. That's your boy. Yeah. But yeah. If you're willing to take him at the seven, eight turn, you're going to have a ton. Um, let's get back to, I, I, I we'll, we'll get back to the bills here. Um, per Mar 99 in the YouTube chat wants to know if, if, uh, he should go ahead and drop Leonard Fournette. Now I picked up Fournette in a, more than a few leagues and I'm assuming you, you have some shares of him as well. You got to hang on to him for right now just to see what happens. Right. So, I mean, I think to me, it's like, if I have a better, if there's a better handcuff option, like I'll take it. You know, so like I said, I, I do have a few. I got like a few dollar four nets, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they signed them to the practice squad. I mean, um, my my guess is four nets washed. Like he didn't sign through all the other places where everybody else was looking for running back and he didn't get signed. So he's probably washed. They, they haven't promoted him. Mm-hmm. So probably he's either washed or he's working himself back into shape, right? I'm thinking that mostly it was like Davian Harris insurance, like, you know, that they needed another back. Um, and it's, it wasn't a statement about uh, Latavius and it wasn't certainly not cook. So I, I mean, to me, if there's another guy out there that you want, I think you can drop him. And, and, and I think this, and, and by the way, you know, you talk about how, how in shape he was, I'll use this uh, opportunity to share again, which I know I've shared on this show. I have a friend who I went to high school with. She moved down to Louisiana, Baton Rouge area. She worked <laughs> at a sports bar there. And um, oftentimes when Leonard Fournette was a member of the LSU football team, he would come in, he'd order the spin dip. But instead of eating the spinach artichoke dip with the chips that they give you, he'd just take a spoon and Ezekiel Elliott, this spin dip. And uh, also a bad yeah. tipper from what I was told too. To me, he strikes me as the guy that 
maybe would take a little bit longer to get into shape. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think that you're like if you drop him, are you really going to regret dropping him? I'm not so sure you would. No, I I mean I think the the dream was hey he comes in right away, steps in, he starts doing something, and he starts getting some passing role. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I don't know. Cook, I mean, Cook to me, Cook looks good. So I don't think you know. Lenny has looked that good since, you know, the first Brady year, right? Right. So, like, I don't, I don't think he's going to do that, do it for you. All right. So, and to lead into Latavius Murray here, um, from what we saw last night, what we've seen the last couple of weeks, it almost seems like it almost seems like he started the season having an established role in that backfield, and then that established role kind of dwindled because he wasn't taking advantage of it. Um, he was getting stuffed on short yardage when the Bills would put him out there um in instead of James Cook and it's like well if you're not doing that what what are you really doing here but now it seems like it's bouncing back the other way again based on what we saw Monday night against the Broncos based on what we saw the the, the last week two weeks now um is Latavius Murray creeping closer to being flex worthy as a as a starter um given that that James Cook has been kind of underwhelming a little bit as at least as far as a fantasy production standpoint so I think I think Latavius is going to fall into that category of, yeah. If you got to flex him, it's not good news. It's not you know, good like, news, right? Yeah, it's not good news. You know, it's not like you're looking forward to it. And I think you have to look at the the game last night was like a one off, right? The the Denver defense. Um, a lot of us are probably anchored on the hey, like Miami put up seventy on them. They like suck. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, I don't think they suck. And so they've you know especially their secondary is not, it does not suck, but you can run on them. And so the bills like were in a spot last night where they could just run on them. And they were like cook was running on them. Latavius was running on them, but then cook dropped the ball, like the right, right away. Then they, so then he got from a Latavius point of view, then like cook got sent to the doghouse for like 16 plays or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like Latavius time. So I, I think last night was a special case for like Latavius. It was a great matchup for running backs. He got a lot more work because Cook was in the doghouse. I mean, um, I, with that said, I do think I have a team this week where I might have to go to the waiver wire. And like, you know, Latavius is probably going to project six, six and a half points this week. And that's better than probably everybody else is going to be out there. If I got to go at a minimum, Murray is an injury away type guy where if cook, yeah. anything were to happen to cook Murray, you got to put, you, you know, and yes. here's the thing too. And you probably yeah, noticed this following the bills bill. Um, Buffalo, it seems like they've had opportunities to run the ball. And for whatever reason, and I'm not just talking about this season. I'm talking about several seasons. God, this really turned into a bills episode. I did not expect this to, to happen. <laughs> um, but they've had opportunities to run the ball, and and for whatever reason they just don't. And some teams are like that, right? Like they, they they just don't do what you would think that they would do. And and you know, we think, oh, okay, if something happened to Cook, he's not playing this week. Murray's a slam dunk RB one. Well, maybe not necessarily because you don't know if he'll be utilized like a workhorse running back. But still, you got to keep him around to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think, like, you keep Latavius and, and view him more as a handcuff. Mm-hmm. And if Cook goes down, you're right. He's more like 
an RB2 type guy, like probably a low-end RB2 guy? Um, I have not looked at my waivers yet. I'm actually, after the show tonight, I'm going to start looking at my fab and what I have to do. How do I, how do I attack uh, week 11 this week? Do you have any big targets that you're looking at on the waiver wire this this week yet, Bill? Um, I, I know you just mentioned that that you're you might be hurting at running back in in a league. What are who are some of the players FFPC players should be looking at adding going into week eleven? So uh, this week, as you know, or you haven't looked yet. I have not. Be, I have not. It's going to be. Close. It's going to be a desert. So yeah. I think this is the kind of week it is. The the week it is is, hey. Who did my league mates drop last week? Mm. Like they had buys, they've lost interest in guys. Go find those guys because there are some guys out there you'd be surprised to find. Like, you know, and these guys are not big time guys, but they're helpful guys. I have a couple leagues. Kenneth Gainwell's out there. Like Roshan is out, is out in a couple. Like it's not, you know, it's one or two, right? Where guys dropped a guy, they dropped McKinnon. Like Noah Brown's still out there on a couple rounds. Fryermuth is still out there in a mm-hmm. couple. Guy dropped Goddard, right? So like, if you know you're going to the playoffs and you want a Week 17 matchup, like Goddard's got the nut matchup against Arizona in Week 17 in the sprint, right? So if a, if you're in in building for the the playoffs and the and the sprint, like spin through the wire and just see did my league mates drop anybody? I so because there were like onesie twosies like available in general though. Like, I think there's like two guys you can think about. I do think you have to take a stab at Izzy. Yep. And, and, and the reason being is like, and I know you would know this cause you've been drafting all year, but some of the audience guys may not have drafted early. Izzy got a ton of buzz before the draft. So oh, yeah. In the never too early, he went as high as like the 10th to 12th round. Like right before the draft, he was going round 10, round 12, like straight up, like just taking his amount of count. So he was getting a lot of buzz. He he was high on, on Dane Brugler's prospect list. He was up there. Like he had him he had him ahead of uh, Keaton Mitchell, right? So he had him, I think, number nine. His RAS score is like nine six. The guy's fast. And he's big, like big enough. Like he's not very tall, like 5'10". So it's like standard kind of running back height. Mm-hmm. But he goes like 215 and he ran like a 4'4". So the guy's athletic and he's and he's pretty big, you know. And so like he's definitely worth the flyer on the hopes that he's Keaton Mitchell. Like, yeah. and, you know, he can get eight carries a game and take you know, like that they want to get that load off of Brees. One thing to know we didn't talk about on the Brees Carter thing was two games ago against the Chargers, it was mop-up work, but like in the two-minute type stuff, it was Carter. They left yeah. Brees on the side. And as a Brees owner, I was screaming because yeah. Carter ended up like catching six balls for 34 or something. He, and it's like he had like no points. Yeah. And, and like it, that last it, driver, whatever it was, was like, Carter catch, Carter catch, it, Carter catch. It was insane, right? And so, but this last time against Vegas. Brees was out there for it, even though freaking Zach Wilson couldn't hit him. But, like, he was out there. So it may be that, like, part of the plan is, hey, we're going to get a Bonaconda some, like, rushes. Like, take that part away. Take, you know, back off the the between the 20s rushes with Brees and give him some of those to Bonaconda. 
And then like, hey, like then we have Brees on all the passing downs. We get to use them in the high touch, the high value touch spots. And then we have that. But if if the guy's a home run hitter, a Bonaconda, if he's a home run hitter, you might hit with that. So to me, he's worth a flyer type stash type thing. And so I've, he, I, I've always said football, especially the running back position, Bill, it's a young man's game. There yeah. is more juice with a Bonaconda right now. There is a higher ceiling with a Bonaconda right now then Dalvin Cook is going to see the rest of his career. Look, the, dude, the, the, kid, the kid ran a 4-4. Mm -hmm. He's 20 years old. Like, he's, he was an early declare. Like, so he's like a third, he was a third-year junior, came out as a – he's still 20. So, like, you, I'm going to take a shot and see yeah. what the Jets may have in store. Chances are good. It's one of those I talked about earlier. It's one of those lottery scratch-offs, and then you go, oh, loser. And you just right. throw it away. And then you cut him. Like, yeah, exactly. And then you cut him, right? So – He's one guy. The other guy I'd be looking at, like on a stash point of view, is uh, is At Perry. So At Perry, going to ask you about him. For the, we, this, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, go ahead. So I mean, you know, we we get the news. Michael Thomas has got some kind of I forget how they phrased it. Significant injury, yep. like knee injury, right? Mm -hmm. So who knows what that means? They're on by. We're not going to get a reporting, so you're not going to get any kind of advanced news. But At Perry is another one of these guys, like. He in at prospect time, he was grading out well. Like Dane Brugler had him well, like Matt Harmon had him, like as like third or fourth round pick. He didn't go until the fifth or sixth, but the dude's six three, he can run, like, you know, okay. <laughs> like and you know, I'll take a shot at that. Like you have like the guy's rat again, he had like a nine six Raz score too. So like the the dude's an athlete, like all right, maybe, and you know, if it's not Carr and it's Jameis, then it's truly jackpot season. Yes, <laughs> totally, absolutely. Because if you can get the Jameis experience with a wide receiver, you are like windmilling it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I was I was like it it it's weird to say it and it's weird to think it, but like there are so many people that myself included sometimes when Winston enters the game. We all kind of like the wind out of our sails a little bit. Ah, backup quarterbacks and it's Winston. Oh no way! Yeah, it's yeah, like that's, this. that's an upgrade. Oh, yeah. That's an upgrade. Oh my god! It, like you love to see a guy that's gonna with reckless abandon, you know, pumping the like a Brett Favre for this generation. It is Jameis Winston. Like that, I, was, that, I love. I, was, it. I absolutely love it. I was watching Sunday with one of my uh, with one of my sons. So we're watching, and you know. James comes in and we have like on different teams, we have Alave and it was like instantly like, Oh my God, the James experience. Let's go. Let's go. You got to love it. You got to love it. Um, is there a player? I hesitate to use the term sleeper, but I will use it for lack of a better term. Is there a player that not a lot of people, let's just say are, are probably going to be starting in week 11 built that you think um, FFPC players need to take a second look at to maybe get them in as a flex. And then a guy that you wouldn't necessarily bench, but you're really nervous about uh, this coming weekend. So the, uh, the the sleeper thing is hard, right? Because um, it's like most of the time, the guy's just a dust ball. So I'm, I'm going to spin it a little bit different. Like, so the guy I'm going to give you is Trey McBride. Mm -hmm. Like, but not for tight end. Like, you know, if if you have, have him start in tight end, yeah, that's like, of course. Like, unless you have an elite tight end, you're starting Trey McBride. But like it's really more a matter of how much can you flex it. Like I have probably eight to ten shares in my managed leagues of Trey McBride. 
I'll probably be starting them in eight or nine. And like, I have a couple of like flex spots where like, am I starting him or Deontay Johnson? Am I starting mm -hmm. him or Chris Godwin? Like, I think those are actual questions. Like, and, and kind of in the spirit of your, the spirit of your question is like, that's probably surprising. Like people are not going to go like you'd say, okay, Deontay or big pride. Well, it's got to start Deontay Johnson's like, I don't think so. Like, yeah. I think I'm going to roll out McBride. And so th I think the Godwin one is tougher, but like, I don't know, like I got to wait for the rest of the projections and news and all that kind of stuff. But come Sunday, I won't be hesitant at all to like make that swap. Um, is there, uh, and, and by the way, McBride, I actually was, I was upset because I can't remember who I got outbid on, um, in one of my KFFSC leagues. And I'm um, like, ah, now I got to start stinking McBride again this week. And oh. it was fine. Like I, I was loving oh, it. This is, this is oh, great. You know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes it happens that way. Um, I, I said last week and, and I was, I was proven correct. Um, I, I didn't like Derrick Henry. I didn't like his matchup last week. I don't know if anybody listened to me and actually bench Henry, which I, I'm sure a lot of people wish they would have based on what he did last week. Is there any player like that this week that you're like, boy, I, I don't, I don't think I can afford to not start him, but I'm thinking long and hard about it. I mean, uh, those, so the way I end up playing is I, I'll end up um, as bad as I feel. I'll, I'll close my eyes and hold my nose and follow the projections unless I know, like, I know better. Like, unless right. there's something where I know the projection is, like, got to be off a little bit, like, I'll follow them. But, like, I will I will give you the scary ones. Like, I, I'll, like, just, just for fun, I have a, a main event team that sounds like it should be crushing, but unless I win the next two weeks, we won't get into the playoffs. But if I, if I give you the names, you'll go, wow, that's pretty cool, right? So... <laughs> Starting Lamar. Sure. Sounds pretty cool. Yep. Right? Like, I got Kenneth Walker. I got Tony Pollard. Still sounding pretty cool. Yeah. Debo. Tylock. Right? I got uh, Mark Andrews. I got David Montgomery. He's on by this week, but last week I started JT. And you sit there and go, how's this team not smashing? Right. Yes. Well, it's not smashing because Lamar is scary. Like, so, like, if I had a better option than Lamar... Like if I had Kyler in the Lamar, I might swap to like I might swap there. Like mm -hmm. I could like I could see that I forget who he has matchup wise this week, but like I could see it. And so you know each of those guys, Pollard, kind of scary dude. Like, am I going to sit him? No. Yeah, like, yeah. No. You got, you're gonna gonna keep rolling him out there. Well, like, you got you got to get him in your starting lineup, Bill, when he scores that first touchdown. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> On his 175th carry or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's end it tonight. Uh, actually, two two questions. So we'll go to Permar uh, 99 right now. Uh, starting Noah Brown over Calvin Ridley this week. Now that seems wild, but the more I look at it, I'm like, you know what? I don't have a problem so, with that. So here's the thing. like um, Ridley definitely shows up on the scary to start list, mm -hmm. right? Like the problem with Noah Brown I think is he's split in time with Robert Woods. And so like, it's easy to see like, so no Brown was amazing last week, right? Like he was just amazing, but like the work, the workload is not, I think, uh, matching the box score. Like, like I think 
I think personally, I would not be starting Noah over Ridley. Like just because I think that was more box score based. Okay. But they do have they have a great matchup. It could shoot out like so. And C.J. Stroud has been amazing. Like the kid is like so much fun. So could Permar be right? Could I, I personally wouldn't do it just because the usage is oh well. Assuming Nico's back. I was just gonna say that's the other yeah. thing we got. to I'm assuming Nico's like, back. If if Collins plays, I I can't. There's I can't defend the yeah. division. Um, yeah. Okay. But if Nico's out, I get it. Then, like, then I get it. Totally. Um, this is from uh, Dom Gazzetti. Uh, Bill, I have a start sick question. Who's the odd man out here? DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Jordan Addison, or Puka Nakua? Now, right. as, as far as those guys go this week, you have DJ Moore at Detroit. You have DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who is playing against the Jaguars in Florida. Jordan Addison um, is going to be in the Mile High City playing the Broncos. And then Puka Nakua, who was on by last week, gets the Seattle Seahawks at home. He's got to bench one of these players. Bill, which one would you bench? So, you know, you get the conditional here. So if if Jetta is back, then I think, you know, that's a lot more where I'd be leaning Addison. Like, if Jetta's out, like, then I don't, like, that is tougher. I'm starting Puka. Like, so right. Puka's definitely getting started, right? Um, and if Jed is out, Addison's getting started. And then it's down to like the the other two, the like a little little more, tougher. I'm not Warren Hopkins, yeah. I think um I mean and like like we don't know on DJ Moore if Fields is back, right? Like we don't know yet if Fields No, we is don't know back. yet. We don't know yet. Yeah. No. I mean if it if it's if it's uh Bajan, like then I'm probably, I'm gonna sit DJ Moore. I, I think that's smart uh as well. So that, that, Dom, the best advice I, I can give you is to keep wait till Sunday, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Dom, by the way, is uh pops in on my Thursday show and our Friday show, so he will be well versed <laughs> on what's going on with that. Um, and then last one here, we'll go back to Permar 99 here. Quarterback decision that he's facing this week, uh, uh, or she, I should say, I don't know if he or she. Um, Joe Burrow this week, uh, who is facing the Ravens, right? Yeah, in Baltimore, or he could play Brock Purdy at home against the Buccaneers, Bill. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm never sitting Burrow. I'm, Regardless I'm of the not, matchup here. Because you, you can cut I mean, up the Buccaneers' pass defense. I mean, yeah, but we, but uh, the, the, the problem with uh, San Fran is they can cut it up a gazillion ways. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Right? And the McCaffrey game. And, and Purdy doesn't get, like, I mean, Burrow doesn't either, but Purdy doesn't get any rush equity, right? Mm-hmm. So it's literally – if it becomes a Christian McCaffrey game, you got nothing. Like, right. you know, you, I mean, you could throw to him, uh, you know, those, you get those too. But if they rush for a couple Depot, like last week, Debo ran one in, they got that going again. So I, I, I would rather just, I mean, Deshaun Watson, like Deshaun Watson put up a number. I mean, well, Baltimore's good, but. What, what about, what, what if T Higgins is not playing again this week? We get word of that. Does that still. Is that I, enough to tilt the scales in favor of Purdy or no? The only thing would tilt was Jamar. Like, okay, Jamar tilts the scales. Right. Other, like, other than that, I mean, like, yeah, it'd be great to have T, but like Trentner, you know, for those spot start guys, like, I I had to go grab Trentner with last week for some flex spot. Got which, in the end zone. Like, nice job. Not, 
like two for 30 with two for 30 and one or whatever it was right. it was like yeah. beautiful beautiful thing beautiful yeah thing. yeah it, it it as as uh my, our good buddy barney newkirk pointing out Irwin time last week yeah. it could be Irwin time again this week but it'll be against the ravens um wow what a show i did not realize we'd been talking this long bill thank you so much for staying a little extra with me tonight always uh enjoy our conversation about fantasy football uh and everything going on with the ffpc i know you've been and we i wanted to touch on this Congratulations! You're right up at the top of the leaderboard in Terminator. Do you have any uh, what? Have, do you have any regrets? Uh, um, regret drops so far this uh, season on that team? Not on that one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, have, I have two others where I have like kind of one where I went. Yeah, I literally cut K dot and I had three tight ends and I had to like one was going. I dropped K dot in the week before he went off. It's like oh, God. That's yeah. annoying. That, that's yeah, that was it was brutal. But at least you're up there with it with oh, this yeah. team, which is good. And you've been and and I'll give my read here in a little bit. But you've been uh, supplementing um, a lot of your season long stuff, playing the FFPC weekly challenge too. How's that been going for you? Oh, it's been good. It's been really, really good. I love playing those things. Um, so they're a lot of fun because they have the same format as the playoff challenge, right? Exactly. Where yeah. you know you get a guy, and um, it gives me a chance to, to be honest to get some guys that I don't have. So, like, you know, I was, uh, unfortunately, I must have at some point gravely offended the uh, the random number generator god. Right. So I was only getting the back end of the board. So all the front end guys, I don't have. So, like, you know, I'll play the weekly challenges. Like, no, no. Like, I'm going to have CMC shares. I'm going to have all these things. Everybody right. has CMC shares. But I'm like, oh, no. Like, 100% CMC. I'll usually play, like, 10 entries every single one. Like, I'm not pivoting off him ever. And I always say, I mean, obviously this goes without saying, but like similar to like DFS stuff, it's more fun to build lineups um, with running backs in, in the weekly challenge. Cause that's something that I think you and I are of one mind on this. We historically don't do that in season long. We, we, no. we normally go with receivers or, or maybe a couple of tight ends, like, but I, in a one week basis where you're not worried about injuries or, you know, injuries, they are what they are, man, right. load me up with those running backs on a, on exactly. a weekly challenge for sure. Um, Let's uh, let's end it now, Bill, um, because we could continue talking deep into the night here about the bills and um, <laughs> and every and toxic waste and everything that's going. The on. waste, exactly. Congratulations to the toxic waste uh, that is sitting in the top forty of the FFPC main event here, heading into week eleven. Uh, congratulations on all your success so far. Hopefully, the ball bounces your way this weekend, and you uh, you guys are celebrating with that million dollar check come January, dude. That's it. The Buffalo three peat, baby. That's what we're Buffalo three peat. That's it. Yeah. You're going to have to name, rename the team that if it does happen, we'll call it the Buffalo three peat. Uh, Absolutely. Bill, Bill, always a pleasure. Be good. Talk to you soon. Take care, Buck. You got it. Bill Wonky, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining me on the show tonight, 37th place overall in the FFPC main event that will complete uh, this evening's Rotoviz high stakes lowdown. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun and hopefully informative. I, I just kind of, hung out and talked with Bill and hopefully enjoyed the conversation uh, because it's, we're supposed to be doing it for you, but sometimes I forget about that. Uh, we will go live again. I want to thank Bill Wonky, by the way, for hopping aboard tonight. We'll go live again uh, next Tuesday at 10 PM. Uh, we're going to talk with Mike Engel, who was, I believe heading into, I don't, I don't know where he is now, but he was had a top 20 team in the FFPC main event heading into week 10. I'll, we'll figure out where he is, but he's going to be next week's guest on the road of his high stakes slowdown. Uh, don't forget we go live at seven o'clock on the road of his, excuse me, on the better sports networks, high stakes fantasy football show Thursday from seven to nine. It is the perfect way 
to begin your weekly, uh, your week of fantasy football as we'll bleed right in to that Thursday night game. Uh, the GOAT District and Player Profiler's own Theo Greminger will be my guest co-host uh, this Thursday. Uh, awesome to have that dude back on. He knows his stuff for sure. Uh, and then Friday night, 10 p.m., myself and KFFSC Commissioner Farrell Elliott are going to be joined by, I believe, the second-place team or the uh, was the second-place team in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Joe Holmes will be our guest at 10 o'clock this Friday night. Remember, be like Bill Wonky and join the FFPC Weekly Challenge. Just go to myffpc.com to play the FFPC Weekly Challenge. myffpc.com. No draft, no salary cap. Just choose 10 players or 12 players, depending upon if you want to play with kickers and defenses, by 1 p.m. on Sunday, and then just enjoy those points piling up uh, throughout the weekend. Remember, only one player per NFL team, $35 to enter. You can also enter for $200. Uh, either way, you could win up to $2,500. Uh, remember, uh, Permar99, already chiming in uh, on YouTube, smash the likes. Yes, hit the like button. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to the channel, comment on uh, on the video, and then share it with your friends and your enemies and uh, get notified every time we go live. As I said, next time will be 7 o'clock Thursday night. Be here. We'll talk with you then. And uh, get those lineups set uh, for, for week 11, and um, I hope the, the bidding goes well this week as well. Um, for you and your FFPC leagues. Remember, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, those players will be dropped in, uh, will be locked in the national contests uh, that we have at the FFPC for the remainder of the season. So if you drop them this week, you can't get them back. Uh, we'll send that out in the FFPC email tomorrow as well as a reminder. Uh, thanks so much for watching, everybody. Have a great night. I'm Eric Walkman. Talk with you again soon. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.